Welcome to On Common Ground with Dusty Keen, the podcast. I'm very, very, very excited today uh, to have one of my friends on and one of uh, one of the most talented singer, songwriter, musicians I've ever got to know. Um, this guy is just incredible. In fact, in my opinion, there is no better vocalist than Angie Perry. Oh. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a bio for Angie. Angie is a solo uh, songwriting talent behind Faith Hill's multi-platinum song, Cry. Uh, a of songwriting credentials also appeared on the albums of Miley Cyrus, Big and Rich, and Tim McGraw. Uh, he signed with Clyde Davis with Aristo Records in 2000 and released uh, an album called The American, which was absolutely awesome. If you haven't heard The American, you must listen to that album. Um, and that led to um, supporting a U.S. tour and sharing the stage with the likes of Matchbox 20, Faith Hill, and Evelyn McCain. In 2005, he appeared on Faith Hill's NBC Thanksgiving special, seeing Cry with, uh, with Hill and catching the attention of producer Dan Huff, who does uh, British Key Dovran and um, The Rascal Flatts. Huff will go on to produce uh, Apero's 2006 release, El Primero del Tres, and Apero penned two songs on Tim McGraw's 2012 release, Emotional Traffic, namely the one and only, um, Human and Human, which uh, McGraw recorded as a duet with R&B artist Neo. Uh, also in 2012, Apero appeared on Zach Brown's live album DVD, Pass the Jar, and was featured on duet with Brown on the song Junkyard. Uh, in Atlantic, uh, Atlanta Box Theater, uh, which is also a very cool place if you get a chance to go. Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. A pair's new album, uh, Life is a Flower, Life is a Gun, uh, which was released in February 2008, is out now, so go buy it and we'll plug that again. <laughs> um, and he's also the creator of the soon-to-be-released Bloomville, which we're going to talk about, an animated and illustrated web series. Well, Angie's, whereas uh, his alter ego has come to light. And that's uh, suited for the summer of uh, 2021. Um, I actually uh, got to, to know Angie and um, my, my kind of history with him is I, I'd seen him play when I was managing a bar uh, in Atlanta called Smithville Bar. And then I had seen him play some events around Atlanta and was just blown away. Uh, I remember one time he was in a singer-songwriter, um, like an in the round, and I, I guess I'll bring this back up to you, so I'll, I'll bring it up to touch back on it. Um, but then since then, he also came and played the Flatiron, which uh, I'm live from now, yeah. and uh, that was just unbelievable. That was like kind of a bucket list show that I got to uh, to be a part of. Um, and he, um, and then I went down to Hilton Head and saw him and recorded <laughs> the first ever song that I ever like recorded was maybe. And like Whoa. this guy in the studio is unbelievably like he just showed me this whole other easy process. Um, of being able to do something and I for the first time ever was relaxed enough to, to do something and that was really really a treat for me so uh without further ado let's bring on Angie Aparo as you can see in your window there uh, how you doing man good <laughs> Dude, it's good to see your face I always wear my pink bandana when I'm drinking vodka <laughs> <laughs> I wear my but I but the problem is I the problem is I have Jaeger sitting next to me too, so I gotta have to change bandanas. And if I change drinks, <laughs> yeah, you, you might need a, a, a change. Yeah, that, there's always the showman, Andrew Barrow. Um, you know, man, you are one of the like sitting down and talking with you. You're just you love to have existential conversations and are very tuned into a lot of things in life that are philosophical and um, just kind of you know you're you're really have become about deeper things and you've gone through a whole lot in your life um and and most people you know don't have as many trials and tribulations as you have and you've had you know some some great successes and you've had some some, yeah. some some difficulties with health and you've had some challenges with you know just in so many different areas um to lead you to who you are now and so i guess you know kind of lead us through like 
how you got into music and, and, you know, some of your highlights to what you think have brought you to the, the place that you're in today. Um, it's odd because I, I, it, it kind of strange. And I've, I've heard this from other, other, a couple of other musician friends of mine or artists, but I, I like, I don't know how or why, maybe it's past lives or something, but I, I, I just, I literally, literally remember de, de, being depressed and, and, su and suffering depression when I was like six. And um, yeah, just kind of not attached and very, in fact, I think one of my early teachers told my mother this story that I was just sort of detached from so whatever was going on. And I do believe it in uh, a large part of me believes in past lives um, or either carrying, you know, uh, ancestors troubles with, you know, but so I kind of like music. I was led towards music because of the sort of uh, heavy weight on a kid that's that young. And so I think the first time I ever sang, I was in second grade and I went, I, apparently as my mother remind, reminded me, I would, I took this uh, Christmas album to school and I just, there was no like show and tell. I just went to the teacher and said, put this on, I'm going to sing with it. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. Why is this guy, this guy is going to like take over the room. Right? And um, so that's kind of, that was just very bizarre when I look back at it, of course, my mother thought it was crazy too. Um, so I think I was just drawn into it from a uh, kind of a spiritual, psychological reason to, to, to do music. I think God or, or either, even my psyche was leading me to that as a medicine, I think. And so I stuck with it and it just, you know, then it keeps growing. And my, my theory about that stuff for a lot of artists is that it can start off like that and then all of a sudden it can become a career or might not, you know. And I just kind of continued through it. I suffered, was kind of you know, you didn't know, and you know, I came up in the '70s. And you didn't, you didn't go to a shrink. You know, it was just kind of odd. It was the beginning of, you know, psychology today. You know, what I mean, it's like, right? So it was, yeah. So my, you know, your parents would send you to a shrink. They just say, you know, they just beat you and send you to your room. <laughs> <laughs> right? Pick out that switch. Yeah. You'll be better in a minute. <laughs> now you have, now you have four diseases if you're, if you're six years old. Um, so I just continued, and then by the time I was 15, I was in a pretty great like cover rock band in Atlanta. I was playing underground Atlanta in the late seventies and my parents were just, I, I think they thought I was going to run off with a circus. <laughs> so they, they've been such great, you know, parents for me. And they, I remember my mother coming to me and saying that there was a, uh, there was kind of a, a, a uh, uh, you know, the, the school fame, you know, in New York, there was like a fame kind of affiliate to that in Atlanta at, at Northside high school back in the seventies, eighties. And, the, and uh, they wanted me to say, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll let you go to this uh, art, you know, this art kind of high school and you can do it. And I was like, had my hair, long hair, you know, I was playing Zeppelin and I was like, that's just so, Oh God. It's like, what are you gonna make me start dancing now? What do I have to do? So I just kind of, unfortunately, I, I kind of wish I would have went, but I kind of blew it off. And I said, man, I'm a rock and roller. I don't want to go do that. You know, I don't want to do theater. And, uh, and so they said, okay, we'll just make, you know, try to make bees and not flunk out as a, you know, meth addict or whatever. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll let you continue playing. Cause I was playing until three in the morning and coming home and kind of washing up and sleeping for an hour and going to high school. And so that went on. And then I, I know it's just like, like early rock star. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so that just kind of continued. And then the thing that really kind of, I think was the other part of my psyche that, music was giving me this one medicine 
but the other side was just love, you know, like, so I was just attracted. I was already attracted to a, I got married very young. Like when I, by the time I was 18, I was married and still trying to do music. And then that became a clash. And then it just let, then it just propelled this road of like, you know, tragic marriages. The, I think the, I know now looking back now, it's just sort of the battle between you want love, but I need my medicine, but you, you know, it's just kind of just a, a broken artist, which I think a lot of art is, to me, the, the greatest art is the most selfish in a way. But um, because the artist is sort of going through things and I think the, the, the true fans or viewers are really voyeurs, you know, to the, to the art. Right. So that's kind of what led me here and, and, and what, what kind of propelled this, this kind of just crazy, uh, I mean, I look back and I'm like, I was divorced three times. I can't even remember. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I don't know. What was his name? I don't care. <laughs> no, but, uh, right. you know, that's, you know, my joke, the, uh, if I get one more divorce, I get into the country music hall of fame. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. You so. know, and there was a point where like things really seemed like for you, they were just going to, you were in a rocket ship, man. And you were going to go, you know, just wham. And, you know, talk about, uh, you know, I guess how things changed when you had signed w with Clive, because um, it seems like that was sort of a pivot, a pivotal point in your career um, when things began to really kind of shift gears for you. Um, yeah. What was that like? I mean, how was, what was that experience? I mean, this guy is like, you know, to even meet the guy is would be, you know, oh, such a privilege to so many musicians, but, you know, you got yeah. him to work with him. Um, so what, what was that like? How did that happen? I mean, he would, yeah. And he, what's interesting about him is, you know, and I was late in life. I mean, I was in my mid thirties when he, when he signed me. So not the, the traditional nineties to 2000, anyone getting, you know, record industry was still a big thing. And it was all about, you know, signing youth, you know, youthful rock stars. And, um, and Clive didn't give a shit about it. It was like, he, uh, <laughs> he just, he, I played for him in his office, you know, in my acoustic guitar, me and Matt Serletic, who ended up producing the record. And, you know, I play, he, he, I think he, what I loved about Clive and, and, and he gave me a lot of great advice that I still use. And as far as uh, forming and developing a, a show in any kind of a show an, an acoustic or a band or, but it was just this real, I, I just, I, I kind of, I did, and I still, I think, I hope I still have this, but I could just really get to the moment. You know, that's my whole thing. When I think great, great soul singers just are getting to the moment. They're like, right they're with you. They're not singing to the song they sang 10 years ago. They're singing the, they're singing the song they sang 10 years ago now for you. And I, I had that and I had developed that. And when I got to Clive's office, it was just me and him and a chair and his chair and my chair. He's, you know, full two folding chairs, four feet apart. And, uh, and I just played. And I think, I think Clive always understood the moment is what I, what I gained from him. I, I, I did ask him about all the different artists he signed when he would come to came to three, about three of my shows. He came to my LA show, uh, two of my New York shows. So I get this time with him after the shows. And I just, I, I said, man, you know, I, I know it's, it's, it's kind of German on you, but I just, you're just, you know, you've done so much. I'd like to know, you know, how, how you've got, how this happened with, so with some, you know, with Whitney or how, the, and it's just, I just think the guy had, has had and still has such an intuitive which you and I talk about, Dusty, just about that art really is the center of, of now, of being now, of being in the moment in here. And I just think that guy just knew it when he hears it, when he sees it, he just goes, holy shit, you know, and that's, I don't think the age mattered to him. I don't think anything mattered except the, 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 
the, re, the truth that, that I was able to like at least do for, and I played for like, he let me play for an hour, like in his office. Wow. Played wow. three songs twice. He wanted to hear him again. Uh, he had a good time. I told you he had an amazing um, kind of recipe that he would, he said, uh, I asked him, I said, why did you want me to uh, sing those songs twice? And then, and then cry, I think in Spaceship maybe. He wanted me to, re to recite the words, just sort of spoken word. And he said, I think, as I remember, he said, you know, I hear, I hear a song first, I think it's a hook. I want to hear it again if I really, if I think I want to hear it again, I say, I say I want to hear it again. And then the other thing which is interesting, he said, if a lyric is, the, the lyric is what makes it, uh, apparently, this is kind of fascinating, makes a, a, a radio hit last almost twice as long on the charts if the, if the, if the lyric is heavy too. So it's like, it, you almost, he almost, and, and a friend of mine in Nashville was telling me the same story, uh, uh, Dennis Makowski, uh, another great writer, his guy, his first, one of his first hit was uh, Maniac, like Flashdance, like he's a, a monster oh, wow. pop writer, yeah. And he, he gave me that same thing. I was talking about Clive and he said, you know, it is interesting. There are like numbers that went like, it's great to it to, to pull people in with a, an, a hook melody and or a hook beat or something. But at the end of the day, it lasts much longer if people want to keep digging in because now it's really like lyrically heavy, you know, holding, it's yeah. holding on to them. And I, I think that was sort of his trick or whatever. And he just, it was amazing to, I was just blessed to be around him. He was so good. And, you know, it, it's really crazy how in your life, certain things when you tune in, right? Like I, I so I've been meditating for the first time in my life for like the past eight days. And I swear to God, I have never found anything that has been as transformational in my life as that. And I'm just now tapping into it. So I have no idea what it's, what's to come. But the reason why I bring that up is that, you know, what it allows me to do is when I do come out of, of this, this moment of meditation where sometimes I'm, I feel like I've completely left the, the universe, yeah. man. And yeah. I come back and, um, and I, I really, uh, especially right after that, I'm really aware of the moment that I'm in. And it, it seems like this is just a recurring thing in my life. And for you to bring that up about your songwriting and for you to bring that up about Clive and, you know, being the genius, of course, that he is, you know, maybe it's that people who are able to have a huge impact on others are, are it, it, maybe a major reason of that is, is that uh, they're learning or they're, in, some, in Clive's case, is extremely practiced at being present. And, and and being in that moment and Absolutely. from that moment uh comes these things um right i was recently talking to i did an interview with dave mccracken and that was uh, last week's interview and we were talking about you know him being a traveling musician and and you know touring 200 days a year and usually playing for like three thousand people a night and now being at home for six months um <laughs> what, what kind of you know what kind of change that's been but we really got into talking about that moment that happens. I know you've experienced this as well, Angie. It's like when you, you, the whole crowd and you and the band are on this vibration, man, and, and it goes to all kinds of places. And one interesting thing that David said was, if he thinks he'll lose it, you know, he said, it's just about feeling it. And I think that's mm -hmm. another example of being right there, present in the moment. Totally. Um, Totally. You know, and, and maybe to all of the singer songwriters out there that, you know, especially can, can look to Angie. I mean, she's got some, man, Wonderland and Cry are just, they're fucking epic oh, thanks, songs, man. man. And, uh, and, and, but, you know, practicing getting in that moment may be something that helps 
you know, songwriters yeah. really write, you know? Um, well, yeah, well, no, totally. And I, I, I you know, it's funny because when you were here on, here on Hilton Head, I think we were talking about, uh, the, uh, you hadn't mentioned thinking about meditation, but we were talking about that. We were talking about prayer life and all that stuff. And I, I'm with you, man. That is like, you know, when I was in therapy for depression in my later life, you know, I had a great, she, I still see her every now and then, but I'm so way better now. But, um, but she had worked with several different artists, you know, um, in Atlanta. And, uh, and she said, no, she said, what you don't understand is that you, when you're on the stage for an hour and a half, you're at a complete meditation because you're just present. You know, you're like, you, you sort of take, I said, she said, you probably, which I thought I was doing, you probably just pushed this into this meditative medicine, you know, to keep you for, happy for at least, you know, an hour and a half a day or whatever. And I'm I, I, with you though, but I just think that's the, the, the outcome, you know, Joseph Campbell would, uh, the, the, you know, the power of the artist is in, in most societies, the artist is, is the shaman, is, is, the, uh, is the sort of the one that is, 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 is more present and more aware, a little bit more aware that, and that's what the, to me, when I go see an artist or, or see art or watch someone sing or whatever the art form is, and they're, they're in it, it's transformational to me. Like it's, that's the whole, that's the whole point. It's not about, yeah. there's no separation between that artist and me when, when it's, when they're right and I'm, and I'm ready enough to receive it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, that's just the magic, we you know, the magic of music. I mean, it's just, right. it's a and transcendental thing. It is. And that is why it is so important for us to hopefully sooner than later be able to go and see music again, because I think it is a necessary healing and a necessary void in a lot of our lives, not having that transcendental moment and not having that just just absolute let go of everything and feel and move with what's happening that's being created right there on stage and right there within the energy of the people. It's just right. people with you. It's not replaceable. Yeah. 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 Exactly. People with you. Yeah. Um, I know you yes. gotta miss it, man. You know. Um, well, you know, it's, and, did you did you ever meet? Um, you do you do you remember when Derek was playing drums with me, my first drummer? I don't think I met Derek. Played no. on the American, but he had an amazing. Uh, realization about that. He was he was touring with. Uh, you remember Titor? Titor yeah, was Titor, yeah absolutely. from from yeah, the uh, fa Titor, uh, the islands. What island? he, yeah, he was amazing. And so he went over there right around when we were still going hard mid two thousand. And he did uh, Europe with him. And they were just you know touring in a van. He's looking out the window and it's, it's getting you know we're, we're really entering the whole like you know iPod era. We're holding like we're really heading into the full on. Everyone has the butt. You know. And he said, you know, it's. He said, it's interesting. I don't know if it's good or great or whatever or not. Or, but he said, man, it's really going into where everyone is in their own space. <laughs> Which I thought was like, because he's a, Derek's a heavy cat. And I was like, man, I, yeah, I'm with you, man. He said, he said no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm talk, not talking about like in your own space when I used to go to my basement with my vinyl records and listen and smoke pot or, or whatever, or be with maybe one other person, but usually no one but me, put out an Elton John record. He's talking about, no, you're in your own space while you're walking down, you know, New York City. Right. You know, you know, and this is this has come up in every single interview. It's amazing that. Um, OK, so I was I was always referencing my daughter who's you know been in her own space. And like, you know, I look at the kids coming up these days, the first generation that is coming up within the Internet and within these gaming systems and within these worlds where they're actually with creating avatars. Totally. Of themselves 
and being in their world, like, you know, Minecraft, billion dollar industry, all of these things are happening. David Cook and I were right. talking about that. This uh, Rise of the Robots, which was written a long time ago in Westworld, that was on HBO. Um, of all these different uh, things are kind of fusing together right now where we're, you know, with the CRISPR being able to make superhumans and, and you know, the lives of humans be expanded. But to what degree and what for? And, you know, Elon Musk is coming out with this thing where you can put it in your brain and it's like a chip that is a, is a, a computer that, that, that is it, – it works from the, the speed of thought, right? Um, and these things right. are slated – that's slated to come out like next year, I think. Um, and then now we're looking at, you know, boom, they're, they're making progress at CERN with looking at, you know, parallel universes. And, and now that, you know, there's been a, a scientific article about possibility of, of you know, it's now mathematically possible they, they found to, to teleport. Um, so I think we're going to be able to view like oh, the yeah. most incredible shift in humanity ever. Um, right. And then like what we do with it is just fucking scary thing, man. Because like we, I see where it may be like Ready Player One or even beyond that where people are just in these little pods like you're talking right, about right. and they don't interact and they don't do this thing uh, where, where they're out about with people. But if that's the case, the things that we know to be the most amazing moments of our life, whether, and of course, from your perspective, being on stage, but from someone that, you know, is in my perspective, always being off stage, those moments, if you lose that, you're losing something that is just, I, I, man, it would be like not being able to taste food or something, you know? Like, no, I, just, well, I don't know. No, totally. No, no, you're right. I, I mean, yeah, and uh, I think we were talking about Rupert Sheldrake, he's one of my favorite living scientists right now. Um, but essentially, I, I can't speak for him, but basically what, what is coming up is really just an amazing shift in materialism. It's not really a shift. It's not a shift in consciousness. And that's the whole battle of, of art, art and religion. I mean, science and religion. That was the whole point, you know, and I guess the French Revolution, you know, we had to get rid of God because the scientists want to become the new priesthood. And, right. and, and it's great. And that's where materialism as science, be, you know, grabbed on and atheism grew. And but the bottom line is you can have a chip in your brain and all this stuff. But the only thing that, that will never expand consciousness, I, I, I do. I do take I, one thing I do think will We'll expand it as uh, mushrooms. <laughs> I, I second that, actually. I think that's not a chip, though. <laughs> you, might, you, might, you, might, you know what you do? You eat a lot of chips with it, but you don't. <laughs> I don't know. It's so funny. But, but I mean, that's. Oh, and I got to send you. I will send you. Um, uh, Terrence McKenna and Sheldrake and Abraham's. Uh, did these trilogues in the nineties, just as a side, I know I should tell you, I should tell you off air, but, no, but everyone else should, should go find these two there. They did uh, maybe 30 of them, just of the, uh, them as a, uh, as trial. I got this stupid thing on my computer, uh, trilogues, you know, um, where there are three of them are just debating and talking. And it's like, to me, three of the smartest pants, smarty panties in the world. Wow. <laughs> and uh, I'll send you, I'll send you some of this stuff, but everyone should check yeah, this please. stuff out. And they're, cause they are really, they're really like looking at the, what what is conscious what is reality what is consciousness and right. the material I, I love the idea i do love the idea i mean i love i, I think i've told you i want to be a fucking robot what's what i'm like <laughs> i don't want to have like a an old penis i want a new one <laughs> <laughs> well you know there's i watched a documentary on this crisper right i was talking to uh, in the, the interview with david cook who uh 
has done it for James Cameron and is that, and now directing um, Seal Team. And um, he was talking about, like, yeah, I was telling you, it, we said yeah. some stuff to David. Um, but he was talking about, um, you know, in the correlation of, of uh, there was a book that was inspired Westworld. And the thing that they can do, like, say they can change, you know, one letter of your DNA and then it repeats and it, it takes away your cancer. Or um, you can start putting these, you know, manipulating the embryo and it creates this super baby where you can decide how tall or how long your penis or whatever. Um, <laughs> but what they don't, what they don't have is the soul, man. What that, what that oh, personality, course. what that attitude is. And it's like Dr. Joe's dispense is talking about, like, when you wake up, a lot of people are living uh, in a, a thought process that's pressed upon them in the past, and therefore they're living in the past, and therefore their personality is a, a, right. a result of their thinking of that. Well, with these superhumans or with these things that are, are talked about being the future or the evolution uh, with science of humanity, that's really the missing thing is they don't know. You know, we're going to have a bunch of soulless humans like Gattaca or something. Like we don't, we don't know. Um, no, totally. Without that, I mean, that's really what puts the it in us that makes us the artists that we are, or the you know the 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 things that come about that we really relate to uh, purely. And that's what I think with any art, whether it be comedy or, or music or, or movies, it's those things that get to the core of our of our totally. what we feel that that make us love it or even hate it. You know, no, to um, totally. I mean, because yeah, I think I and mean, we are definitely in a crazy. Um, well, the shift has been going on for a while, but I mean, even if you look at like, in fact, this trilogue I just listened to yesterday with, with Sheldrake and McKenna and, and Abrahams, it was, um, it was about what, what created the shift around 50,000 years ago, 50,000 50, years ago, there was the beginning of paintings on, you know, cave paintings. This was a shift in like some other, something happened and the brain, apparently, I think from about 100,000 years ago till now, the brain has been the same size. And it was wow. the same size 50,000 years before this, all this something happened. Of course, they're just using their, they had different theories on it, which are fascinating. And, um, and uh -huh. uh, she, yeah, Sheldrake was sort of like, you know, was there a, was there a spiritual uh, kind of, um, what is he, he called it, uh, it was so fascinating. I'll send this to you also, but uh, it, it, that, that, I think what, what, it, what I'm getting at is that's almost as, as, a, as a material shift as what you're talking about, you know, the chip in the brain, like, like this right. might be our 50,000 year point. Right, right. Pull, pull way back, you know, pull way back. Yeah. And yeah. go like, we're the 50,000 year point that that 50,000 year point where people were, language was beginning and all that stuff. So I, you know, I do look at it like mostly a material shift, but when they talk about this thing 50,000 years ago, that's not material, that's like, that's transcendental. That's div almost, right. Sheldrake was, was, was uh, debating that it's divine. You know, there was something that had happened that opened up this aura because Sheldrake believes in the, you know, the consciousness of the sun. So, I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm with you, man. It's, it's fascinating to me, but I agree. At the end of the day, art is, what's the great quote from uh, uh, the Dead Poets Society? Um, art, something, and, but art is what we live for. Um, it's such an, it's, it's uh, he's just giving the, He's on, I think he's standing on the desk or something. It's just such a beautiful movie. But it is at the end of the day, like, what are you living for? So you can I, transport to what you, not really. I'm sort of living to like <laughs> be, pre, be planted be by here. some songwriter or some piece of painting making me now. Right. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's not, yeah. and you know, it's the irony of trans, and I do love the molecular transport idea because it's, because uh, I love Star Trek. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but I mean, what's funny with that is that that's just trying to get to the future or the next moment. It's not really, it's, it's a technology, but it's not like, it's not going to put you now. It's going to put you over, you know, I'll, yeah, I'll be in, in, I'll be in Atlanta. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fascinating wow. stuff because it is all, it's all a battle to me of pres of past, future, or material. To me, that's the whole game. And that when you get, when you get beyond all those, then you, uh, to me, that's when, you, when you're transcendental. You know, when you're out, when you're beyond your material form, when you're not worried about the future, not worried about the past, then you're just, you know, you're, you're, you're real. You're like, it's what it's it, to me. It's just where God is. It's the only place it is. Everything else is sort of an illusion to me, which is a fun illusion. I love illusions. I'm drinking one right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're aware of your breath, I guess. So, you know, yeah. it's actually kind of a good a lead into what your, your project that you've been working on. Um, and, and I am so fascinated about this. Can you talk a little bit about this? I mean, you know, it's going to launch in 2021. So, yeah. uh, you know, maybe just a little teaser about what's coming for us, because uh, I will definitely uh, be a fan of this. So how did you, when, how did this happen? And when did you get into this? And, and what's happening with now? Well, I, about 15 years ago, I, I, I kind of, I, I, it's not that I'm, you know, I, I, there's a part of me that thinks I was doing this, that was part of this sort of self-medication from meditating and art and all that, that I, as I do, you know, now, you know how, when you're making an art, a piece of art, whatever kind of art it is, you're sort of like, if you're, if you're aware, you're sort of also saying to your, I'm saying to myself, like, wow, why am I really doing this? You know, so it's like, why am I making this other town that doesn't exist? Am I really just trying to get the hell out of here mentally, psychologically? <laughs> you know, am I leaving? You know, am I just trying to like escape? Is an escapism, right. which is fine. But, you know, it does lead you, it's interesting that you make an, any kind of art form. And if you're aware, then you are sort of asking yourself questions as the third person as out of out, outside of yourself, looking down at it or the third right. eye. Right. But, um, so it's sort of, I think it may have started that way, but I just had this land that I, um, it's sort of a, you know, it is the only world. It's, it's a little bit of Gotham. Like I don't, there's nothing really out in beyond it. It's just all Bloomville. And um, it started there and I just said, wow, I, I think I could have like this own, my own place that maybe all my artistic ideas could live in. Cause I was, you know, trying to work on illustrations and comic strips and music. And I, you know, wanted, we, we were talking, you know, I've talked to you about wanting to write these screenplays and all this kind of crazy stuff. And I just thought, man, maybe, maybe there's a place where all of me can just exist where I don't have to be Angie Aparo. I can be many things, which, Honestly, I think it's healthier in a way because it's not really. I, I did debate. I had a debate with myself, which is really fucked up. <laughs> I, I created. <laughs> it's gotta be fun. That was so much. It's so no, good. You're wrong, Angie. Especially this way. Especially when the third Angie walks in. What's going on here? <laughs> Both you go to your room. <laughs> um, so, so, but I was, I was sort of like you know like, I, I, part of me was like, wow, it's weird. Are we creating this split? personality stuff and I'm like no not really I think it's more healthy to have these sort of alter egos of all my musical forms so there'll be um right now there, I think there's three other than me um I'll be going under the name of double a I won't be Angie Aparo in Bloomville and then these other three artists are kind of represent these other forms of my musical art uh, you know from punk to just different fo musical format 
And then there's, but then there's the other, you know, um, oh, my favorite one is Jaco Cornelius. He's just my favorite guy. He's my, he's my sort of my illustrator, my painter guy. Um, and then they're just unfolding. Like I, I, there's some of these are like, uh, there's a whole robotic, it's sort of a, I, I love, I love cultures or societies that are really future, but really old at the same time. Like they're, so this is, there's this robotic part of Bloomville has been taken over by this large company, of course, and they're moving into this AI kind of world, but a lot of the early robot, the gen, the gen one robots are still there. And they're very interesting. So Henry is one of the guys that's my hero. I've written, I've written a whole book on him already that never came out. So it's like, it's sort of what we talked about in Hilton. It sort of gives me this placemat and, and I can put it all in one space. And I'll tell you what, drawing the damn map is a trip. You know, you just, it really gets heavy because it's all about the map. And, um, you know, I've done it, God, 50 times, literally. I mean, I've started six months ago on the map and just was still been throwing them away because there's, it's so interesting. You know, shouldn't this, shouldn't so-and-so be on the west side of the river? You know what I mean? Like that person, you know, you're an actor. That personality shouldn't be above the tracks, whatever it is. Like, it right. just, it's, it's, but it, what's interesting is I'm noticing because it is sort of all of me, it is an amazing uh, psychological view kind of at your, right. at yourself. And it ties into, you know, and I'm, I'm just getting a glimpse of this, but when I've, I've really, um, some moments in my own meditation have been about creating a world, you know, where, 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 you know, I, I sort of find myself in that is being created at that moment. And then I guess you being able to dive so in detail in that, like I think about J.K. Rowling with, you know, Harry Potter, and she must have been going through this exact process, you know, where she's like literally, you know, and there's yeah. this and there's owls and fucking, you know, like how yeah. the candles afloat and like, holy shit, who the fucking drugs was she on to be able to have the focus to get it all together, but the world that was created entire and so fucking intricate and vast and like right. what um and it seems like you know you're 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 diving into this same process and and that is to me just a, a, a level up of creativity that i personally don't comprehend but i think is is brilliant and uh, you know you whether know, you that no, it's just, you know, I, I know what you, it's just what's interesting about, you know, it's I, when I, because of the, the pandemic thing hit and I was just like, you know, there's nothing to do. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I can't go on the road. Yeah. And um, I just kind of went, you know, my kind of my prayer meditation, which is just was telling me like, you just got to start this thing. I mean, I, I love music. Music's never going to be go, go away, but you know, there's just much more, I need more ways to speak. And so but I'm with you, man. It, it's like, it's what I'll tell you what, besides just the artistic side of it, just l- what's, what has turned me into like, literally like, you know, a kid again is just learning all this new, this new art form of like, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm doing very minimal, but to animate my characters and to just this other side of my brain that I'd never even used, you know, I know I can make a record like that, you know, but I, but this is just like, Oh shit. This is like, I'm, you know, I'm 15 years old again. And, um, I find that just just as compelling and important as never making it, 
I mean, just, just to, just to force myself into this world of like, I know, I know nothing about this, you know? Right. And, um, you know, and then wow. the story, you know, the storytelling side, which I, which you and I love, and um, that's going to be interesting. And, I, and I, I'll tell you one thing, when you were at Hilton Head, I was on this place where I was already moving into a story form because I have to look at these as sort of season, like episodic stuff, but I, I kind of want to put them almost like, I'm, I'm realizing there's several stories within this town that don't necessarily have to link up even, even season to season. Cause it's a, it's sort of, it is really a whole world, but it's a town. So there's like stuff over on, on the West side of town that might never see the South side of town. It's that kind of bizarre. So I know I, I, what I, when you were here, I, I kind of, we, cause we had great, we always had great conversations like story stuff. I kind of pulled back from story, from story form yet. And I said, you know, the world isn't built yet. That's what hit me. Like I've been, so I kind of refocused on character development and, and, and I think that will tell me what the first season would be. I think it's hopefully be on Patreon. It'll be like a monthly, you know, web series right. thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It just makes you feel young again. Well, you know, I remember just, we were talking to you about a device, you know, um, yeah. we were talking about a device and, um, and how important that is in telling the story. Because that will move that you with the right device, you can yeah. move anywhere. Right? Absolutely, the device takes you in and out. I mean, it could be a different universe, or it could be the next right. neighbor. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, so you know, even just throwing the word device up on the wall, and I knowing know. that it's going to come to you, and then these the, the challenge of linking those together kind of goes away because yeah. then that little device will be able yeah. to, to bring it together. You know. Um, and so many people forget that, you know, I was talking with um, Nick Swartzen down in, um, in Key West and uh, I ran into him at the hotel. We, we ended up going out that night and everything. And I met him earlier in New York and yeah, he's a, he's a big you know, star and he was writing a, um, yeah, a, a, a buddy comedy for Netflix and, and it got canceled that week because the other comedian had gotten me too that week, but he was telling me about <laughs> the story. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, well, what's, because he was like, you know, he'd been there for two months and he was writing it. And uh, he was, I was like, well, what's the device? And he was like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, like, I know. That's, that's the thing. Isn't that crazy, you know, though? I mean, right. You know, because it's like one thing that you don't think about with, with, with filmmaking. And that's, um, you know, that or storytelling. And then even with my conversation with David last week, David Cook, you know, I said, how is this changing with the theater shutting down? Mm -hmm. And what do you think the next thing is? You know, our movies is that are they fundamentally gonna you know what's happening you know you got your finger on the right. out there you feel like this is uh just just nobody knows what's up and he said no i think that no matter what um a good story will always win you know and, and focusing on the story is everything you know so no matter what platform yeah, it's distributed in or no matter how people view it or not a good story is a good story and so, you know, that's that, uh, you know, as you're thinking through all of that, you know, the core of that will be the story of these characters, I guess. And what, it totally. Yeah. You, you, really you know, what's, do you I think we, maybe we talked about this, too. I do find what's what's fascinating to me is is that, you know, obviously there's no story. Let's say between you and me, there's no story before we're born. You and I are born. Right. right? So we're okay. born. And then we, we're alive, we're human beings, we're characters, and then we meet and we have a story. So that's why the story, of course, is all that wins. But the bottom of that is the characters are all, that, to me, that all that win. Because you have to have the characters. Now, I don't even have to, the char I don't even know what the characters want to do yet. I just want to have these interesting characters. 
And that's what, what I just find fascinating. And, I, and they're a part of the world, obviously, but this, this, uh, I just kind of went back to my character pages on them. And I just you know, found we, it, you know what I mean? I think we talked about yeah. it at the beach. Well, yeah. interestingly about that, and one thing to maybe think about is as you develop these, a lot of these characters and their personalities are going to be based on their backstory. Exactly. You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah. So that's really kind of cool. You know, yeah, because uh, yeah, because we have you know you and I we have I, you have a backstory I don't even know about I, and a lot of stories we have, I you know I'm with you man that's why I just kind of I think my character pages weren't deep enough like now I know like what what happened to Sid when he was a kid now I know you know what I mean now I, I kind of that's a that, massive amount of work <laughs> well it is it, it is but but you know it's funny it's not it's really like you can go pretty pretty quick I can do a couple of pages on a you know on a character and you can tell a lot of stuff you know just the basic the bullet points of like you know this is what happened then this then he went there with his grandmother then she moved into bloomville and then it, uh, and then he's you know and his grandma his this, this character's grand i mean his uh first girlfriend grounds in in lake sylvia so it's like you can get them pretty fast but you're right it's like once i can see them as real people then their backstory starts bouncing off each other yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, exactly. That, I think. I mean, yeah. that's how it is for songwriting for me. So I'm hoping that's the same for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a, it, I love doing these interviews like this because you never know where they're going to go. And like, yeah, I'm really, <laughs> I've enjoyed this. Even if you want everybody else, I don't give a shit. It was really good. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. Uh, dude, I can't wait to see that. And just so everyone again knows, it's, it's Boomville and it's coming out in, uh, we hope, the summer of 2021. Hopefully, and it's being yeah. developed now. So anybody that, that gets to, to view this gets an inside track on where it is today. And I'm sure that by the time it, it, it releases, it's going to be something um, with a lot of, of, of other tentacles to it, which I'm just uh, <laughs> I, I'm blown away. I mean, Angie, you're just incredibly creative. And you're, you know, I, I end up saying this to a lot of people that, you know, you're not what you do. You know, who you right. are is right. not what you do. And, you know, even, you know, you and, and, and being on stage with Faith Hill and Faith Hill having tremendous success with your song and, you know, writing, uh, you know, hits for all of these different artists, right? But you are more than a singer-songwriter, even though I think vocally right. nobody can touch you. You're more than a singer. Um, you're an artist and you're a creator. And I think the more that we all realize that we're, we're creators, um, too. and tap into that, you know, the, the more confident and the more free flowing with that we've become and who knows what we can come up with. I mean, this is a monster challenge for you and one well, that I'm you know, glad that you delved into. But don't you, um, I think we, we may have talked about this down here. It is interesting that, you know, I mean, you know, you take, you take you, the, the pandemic, you remove uh, a, a certain power of, of an artist and they, they, they're still got to speak, you know? Yeah. So you do this, like the, the, the artist, you know, it sort of is seeking, like, you know, it's sort of seeking life. It's seeking like an expression. Um, Deepak Chopra has an amazing, it's really a Vedic uh, belief about, which is interesting. And this, this isn't about the artist, but it's, it's, it's interesting about what, what all things are seeking expression um, and, until death, you know, and then hopefully seeking expression of the next life. But, it, but he uses the, 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 the idea the Vedics look at, at disease, you know, as um, you know, it's the disease of the body. Like the body's not at ease. Disease, right. Disease, right. So, but he said, it's interesting. Their belief isn't that like there's, they don't, they don't believe there's like cancer and polio. It's like you, you cure polio and then the energy of disease expresses itself through this disease. 
and you cure this and then it expresses itself. Like it, it's expressing itself. They, I think they believe it's disease is a living entity, you know, and I, and I just think all things that are looking for, even, I mean, I know this is the, this kind of still the argument. I think I'm pretty sure um, among doctors and all, but I, I kind of do believe that the, that, that viruses are living, you know, they're looking for a host, you know? Yeah. So it's like, but you're just looking like, whole purpose. Could, yeah, right. And, uh, and I, you know, and the other thing with just art is and all of an artist, I mean, when everyone was just, when the, vi when the virus hit, and then all our friends that are musicians usually are just like, okay, this is fucked up. What the fuck? Right. Like, okay, uh, not only yeah. did Spotify steal our music, now we don't have any shows. <laughs> right. like, what the hell, man? Is God taking a big dump on me? What the hell is happening? You know? <laughs> right. Um, right. But I, I think you're right, though. If the artists I know are what, what we're doing. Like, they just like, oh, well, I'm going to express this. I'm going to do this, or I'm going to make this, or, you know. Michelle yeah, Malone's painting, yeah. you know, I mean, like there's, I've seen my friends on, on, on Instagram. It, it, it's just, I just think the artist finds the way to speak, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you certainly have, man. Um, you know, looking back at your career, a music career, um, because Angie also acts and writes and all kinds of things, but in your music career, which has been um, a, a focus of yours, and it's where you put a lot of intention. Um, you know, what were your, your favorite moments? When you look back um, on like the, the moments when you went, man, this this was. Uh, it's weird. There's there's a lot of them. I mean, the play, I was playing playing in Clive's office was the first kind of um, the first moment where I was like, wow, because yeah, you you kind of know, but you don't know. You know, with your audience, but it's sort of like to to be with in front of him and it was that. Um was just so real like it wasn't there was no bull it was no bullshit there was no sales pitch there was no and it went on for so long in the office I just remember thinking I said wow I guess I can do this you know like it's almost like this this confirmation that you kind of have it on stage of course people either clap or they boo I get that but this was just a different one it was like wow I really wasn't just you know, drunk those nights or like, you know, or like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. or just yeah. high, or I was trying to hook up with a girl, whatever, you know, it's like all these other, there's so many other moments in a live show that, that either look grand, more grand than they are or, or less than they really are. And this one was just so real. I mean, it was just like, you know, it's 11 AM, you know, here we go in, in Arista and like, so I think that was one of them. And then the other ones were just being able to work with, with Sirletic, um, and, and just sing with faith and all they, they were, they've been so good to me, Tim and her. And I think just, I think moving through it all, I, I just, I, it just, I, don't, I never, it's weird, even though it's, it's so much up and down music industry is a mess, obviously it's even more of a mess now, but I just, I think because the, if an artist's coming into this from a spiritual or, or medicinal reason, I just think you wake up every morning, you already, you're already one. You already, you know, you're like, yeah. you know, you're already like, holy shit, I'm, I'm, I'm not fucking crazy yet. I'm not, not so depressed. I'm in suicidal craziness and I'm, I'm actually have a smile on my face. I won. Like I want music. I won with music. And I think if that's your, if that's really what you're going for, which to me is the, the art I love is something that has, in, has more intention than just career. Um, I, yeah, I think I was always blessed with that to have that just, that access to pick up a guitar and go, oh, wow, you know, I should meditate again, or I should sing for an hour for some, you know. Um, yeah, I think they're all, there's, there's a few ones that are big, that look like big shining peaks of, you know, something high, 
but they all to me they're all just like wow I, i'm like so glad i found this you know there's a lot of people that don't find that one medicinal thing that is uh, that is natural you know there's a lot of yeah. obviously crazy medicine you can buy on the street from me i'll meet you down the corner <laughs> <laughs> but no, i think you're right i think so many people are searching for that you know and, yeah um and what I, I, being a able question Question for you though, Jesse. When did you? What? Because I'm always curious about other art forms. What? What grew you to acting? Um, you know, I, I was did you have any of that psych stuff going on, or? You know, I I I always um, I spent a lot of time alone as a kid, and, and for a while, you know, my mother we, we came out of the project and we moved to the country, and there was no other kids around. And so I had this, this massive imagination, and I had multiple, uh, you know, imaginary friends and stuff. And um, I loved to do different characters and things. And I just that was just something I did naturally. Yeah. So when I go when I came, uh, you know, I was like eighteen, I got um, I didn't want to go to college, so my mom was like, "Well, you, you've got to do something, right?" So, uh, <laughs> so I, I opened the phone book, and the first thing I saw was the actor's workspace, and I went down and read it oh, for the first time. And the teacher of that class, Mary Allen, pulled me aside and was like, "Man, if this is the first script you've ever read, you've got to be kidding me! Like, yeah, I'm gonna develop you, and I'm and I'm gonna call my agent right now, and he's gonna come down here and see you, you know." And, and these are like, you know, this is something, and it was something that I just some people i guess uh you know like you you have this you know god-given voice you know you got vocally you can sing right and that's right, you right. can't really you can't just go uh, you know, train and you'll be able to hit the no man you know like some people right you just got that and um so that's sort of how it was with me with acting i just i just got it you know i just could do it and i just got it and uh and right right of course like loving the movies was a so huge help good. because i didn't just have this talent and not and not like the medium i loved everything about it so like i got into cinematography and editing and lighting and right, right. yeah i get my head around like all of it was in individual art and it became you know nothing was as collaborative as that as well i was talking uh, with david by the way telling stories through movies is like a massive collaboration and you've got to trust that everybody's really really good right. at what they do and everything has to come together you know like that right. same sort of storytelling vision while also giving artistic freedoms within that which is really really interesting yeah. um but I, when you are... also it's interesting because you did say so that, i guess what i'm getting what i'm digging at is the same thing with mine might have been this piece of depression it's interesting that there was sort of a piece of loneliness in you yeah see what yeah, i'm saying think, like yeah. there's some psychological thing that triggers i think the artist into some sometimes i think most of the time you know, moves them into the space because it's a, because like, once you get to that space, then you, you sort of like, it's your, you, you make it yours because you oh, need it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought, you know, powerful, it, yeah. interviewing was huge. You know, like when I would ever when interview the kids in foster care and stuff for years and, and, and the kids growing up that I did, it, I just behind that camera when I was there, I just felt such an home, like it was like a home base for me, you know? And, and I guess maybe that ties back to, you know, when I was a kid, I, caught, I had no one to talk to. I was talking to myself all the time, you know? No, totally, um, totally. Yeah, I don't yeah that's, that's it, man. Yeah, you know, um, when we think about what's coming up for us, like what, in this, this stage, one of the things that I love about listening to Dr. Joseph Spencer is like, he's always talking about when he meditates or when he thinks about things, before he even gets out of bed, he's just like two hours working on his vision of who he's going to be for that day and and he doesn't like move to work until he feels like that person feels, yeah 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 right? which is you know I, I, there's a lot of work to get there i think but um you know so for you having achieved what you have which is something that let's be honest 
99% of all musicians will not achieve. Um, you've already done it, and yet you're still a young man, you know, in, in a lot of ways. You know, yeah. you have this Boomville thing coming. What, what do you hope for? What do you see uh, in, in your future? Like, who, who, who does Andrew Perro uh, develop into um, if you, you know, it's, had your... I, that's weird, man. I, I, I'm, I think my... It's weird. It's a good, it's a good weirdness, but it's crazy that, you know, art was like medicinal. And then, you know, I had my medical stuff and I was still, I was kind of moving past the medicinal aspect of art and which is, which is, which is fun and better and more, a little more healthy, but then you're always afraid that like once it's not, you know, you're not like, you know, grabbing to it it's going to go away but i'd realized that i was really now was speaking i was using it more as a meditation uh more of a like not to not to not be depressed but to be engaged with god more so it so it kept moving through but i'm telling you what's crazy for me with the with art or not art or me as a person uh before i walk you know get off the planet um i'm kind of just I'm kind of preparing the way, man. I'm like literally find myself like, not that I'm going to die tomorrow. Not that I want to die. I want to live my, two of my grandmas were 104. I'm, I, I, whatever. I'm okay to live. I'm just saying it's interesting. I'm like, I really look at this like, wow, I'm sort of like preparing my next life while I'm living this one. And, and I, so, I mean, I think it, I'm, I still want to do art. I love it. It's amazing. But I'm, I have this re weird monastic view that's just has been been on, on me for a while for about 15 years and now it's just sort of like it's it's like resonating with me a lot so i don't know what that means i don't know if it's i want to become a you know a minister or i want to go join some you know some uh sure i don't I, mean, I don't know <laughs> hey man I, I, think, I think that may be where it's heading for me but i'm going to travel around a lot i'd be ultimately up to like create a commune and people oh, yeah. and has, like, you know I mean? like have my all my creative friends come and live in hammocks and shit you know? that's what i'm saying like yeah. <laughs> run through the daisy fields whatever it's, you know? like, <laughs> I mean, it's available it's gotta be uh, <laughs> <laughs> well andy i just want to tell you man i you know i don't know for whatever reason you get to meet people in your life um you're someone that I never, uh, I never, I, I would watch as a musician and go, my God, that guy is just so fucking talented. And I remember the time that just my jaw dropped was uh, this. There was this. Um, I think I've talked to you about this before. It was, uh, it was uh, uh, Austin City Limits. That's what it was. Oh, and yeah, yeah. you were in a in the round with Edwin McCain and Don McLean, the late Don McLean. And, uh, and, you know, Edwin's doing his best stuff. And uh, Don McLean is about to do, uh, you know, uh, American Pie. Right? The day the music oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 do yeah. It. And uh, you were right before him. And you did fucking Wonderland, dude. And so oh, yeah. you did oh, that. We went to and like, and like, the, <laughs> like, you can hear like a pin. Like, it was like at least seven or eight pregnant pauses after the song. <laughs> and Nobody knew what the fuck to say. And Ellen McCain's like, man, he fucking does that song every time. <laughs> it was like just show stopping, man. Like, like, you know, even the day the music died, wasn't going to stand up as a performer after that song. And I was just like, God damn, Andy Barrow is a man. You know, and so having the, the, the whatever it was with the universe, man, be able to cross your path has been a real, uh, has been a real treat, man. And I'm just so thankful that not only do I know you and I've gotten to even work with you, 
Um, yeah, I love working with you, man. To be able to, to 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 have you as a friend and to talk to you about all the, the wonderful things. As someone who is so creative, man, I'm just really uh, appreciative, and I want to, you know very much thank you for, for taking the time out of all the crazy creative shit you got going on to, to pause to me and chat. But, uh, and also want to plug this for, for those, uh, it's a little ways out, not too far, oh, but yeah. um, I believe it's December 13th um, is you, Mark Cano of Athenaeum right, and, so, uh, yeah. and Sam Frazier together. And I think that is going to be absolutely, if you don't see that show, you are a fool because that is going to be something. And it's right where you're right sitting, right? Yeah, it's right here yeah. in the Flatiron. And wow. we're on the stage of the Flatiron um, on December 13th, wow. and we will be ready for you. And I can't wait for you to come up here, man. Um, and I got to tell you, man, I, you know, I don't have – it's interesting because, we, you know, artists have a lot of – people think artists have a lot of friends. And we do, but we never get to really see them. But I love the fact that um, you're – I get to – I get to – be with you more, more than most other artists, friends I have, you know, and I just love when we talk, when, you know, it doesn't matter. We can be drunk at the bar. I don't care, but this, I just, <laughs> no, I'm just, this is great, man. I want you to do, you're going to crush this thing. I want oh, this man. thing. This, this show's going to be great. Well, dude, thank you so much for, for being on, dude. And uh, I think it's going to be anyone that listens as an artist or as a creative is going to get something out of it, I believe, because what, you know, you were able to tell. And um, is there anything that you, you, you want to plug while, you know, we're here? Um, anything coming up that you want to, um, not much going on, man. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, no. I look forward to um, you know making another trip down to Hilton Head. Um, you know, yeah. if not before December, but uh, if I can't get down to before December, which I'd like to do, uh, if not, then uh, definitely when you come up in December, man, let's have some good yeah. time. And, uh, and, and people come out. Greensboro's not yeah. far away. Come on. <laughs> it's not. It's not, man. Right there. Uh, Angie, I love you to death, man. Thank you so much for taking your time to do this, brother. I really appreciate it. I love you too, man. Thank you, buddy. Yes, sir. Yes, Thank sir. You. And I'll call you this week, man. Okay. Bye. Bye, buddy.